Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks so much for tuning in here for this episode of the podcast. In just a moment, my conversation with Ben Furness. He's the director of the Mayor's Office of Climate and Sustainability. I'll talk with Ben. So two Bens here talking about the de Blasio administration's big climate and sustainability goals, their policies, their vision, what they've just announced, what they're trying to accomplish in the final months of the administration. We're chatting here as Climate Week is ending. There's been a bunch of recent announcements at various levels of government, including by the city administration. And we'll go over some of those, as well as really trying to zoom out here and touch on big picture issues, especially as the de Blasio administration is now in its final months. Before we get to that conversation with Ben Furness, if you've missed any recent episodes of Max Politics, please do find them wherever you get your podcasts or at the Gotham Gazette website. I've had some really good, interesting recent conversations, both with state officials, city officials, advocates, experts, analysts. Um, We've really been having some excellent conversations here. Of course, a lot of it focused on the transition of power at the state level, but we've also been returning to more focus um, on New York City politics and government, like this conversation here with Ben. Uh, But I've recently spoken with State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli, State Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, Deputy Senate Leader Michael Gennaris, and at the city level, several city council members on various issues like Councilmember Keith Powers on oversight of the city jails, Councilmember Carlos Menchaca on non-citizen voting uh, legislation that's in the city council, and relevant to this conversation for sure, Councilmember Justin Brannon, who has a committee he chairs in the city council that has oversight of resiliency, uh, waterfronts, and those types of issues. On that same theme, I recently had a great roundtable conversation here on the podcast with three experts from Regional Plan Association, Transportation Alternatives, and Align New York. So you can find all of those or any of them. Pick one uh, after this one and enjoy whenever you have time for that. But there's a lot of good conversations in the feed. All right. Ben Furness is with me today. We're talking on Friday, September 24th. We're late in the day here toward the end of Climate Week 2021. That's why I've invited you here, of course, and you've graciously accepted. So thanks for being here. It's so nice to be here, Ben, and uh, happy Climate Week to all yes. to all those who celebrate. We should all be <laughs> celebrating, right? Yeah. Um, so as I said, you are the director of the Mayor's Office of Climate and Sustainability. It's a new office that was kind of reconfigured when you were appointed to lead it by Mayor de Blasio in April of this year. So you're just a few months into this specific role. But before that, you've been working on a lot of these related issues. You were uh, deputy director of the mayor's office of policy and planning. You were working on climate, infrastructure, transportation, and other issues, some of the mayor's signature programs like Vision Zero, clean energy goals, and much more. You can take us through some of that. And you've been working with Bill de Blasio for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how long has it been? It's been all. Oh, yeah. So I, 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 years. I, yeah. I've been working with uh, with the mayor for for uh, since he was public advocate in 2013. Uh, helped helped uh, craft some of some of the, the the work on his policy platform that then became the foundation for his mayoralty. And it's been an incredible ride. And uh, there's there's an enormous amount that that I'm extremely proud of. Um, been, I'm give, I'm going to give give this away to people, though I'm sure it's not original. But you know, I want to do something on 
on the people who've been been there all eight years when this wraps up. So uh, unless you unless you somehow jump ship in the next few months, which plenty of people will be doing, of course. I'm, I'm running through the tape. I'm all right, you'll be the there throughout. All right, so you'll be in our you'll be in our article about the people who who made it all eight years or just about all eight years whenever they were first first came into the administration. All right, so what's your office do? Uh, sure. When we say the mayor's office of climate and sustainability, what does that mean? Yeah, so so our office is dedicated to um, fundamentally transforming our, our city in a way that reduces our contributions to climate change. And, and when we think about that, we think about the major places where uh, the city currently uses fossil fuels, uh, makes makes the air dirtier than it should be, uh, contributes to, to global warming. Um, and we think about all the ways that we can be transforming the way we get around, the way we heat and cool our homes, the way we get electricity, um, the way we manage our waste in, in order to to have a much more sustainable city and really improve quality of life in the here and now. So, you know, something I always say is something that's so exciting about, about taking action on climate is you're not just taking action for the future, for a safer planet, a safer city, but you're also really improving improving daily life and correcting inequities in, in, in the here and now. Uh, some of the most you know potent examples are around air quality or livable, safe and livable streets. Um, but but so many of the things that, that help us take action on climate uh, just make New Yorkers lives better and it's a really rewarding line of work to be in mm-hmm. what uh what are a couple of things that you feel that most about that you've been able to help see to fruition that you feel like are making new yorkers lives better right now yeah absolutely so so you know just just using the the, the pieces that we've talked about uh, this week during climate week uh, uh, as a as a starting point you know we we announced a really transformational set of investments in, in partnership with the state these two transmission lines that are going to be bringing uh wind and solar and, and hydropower uh, from, from upstate New York and, and from north of the border in Canada into the five boroughs. You know, that, that's great, not just because it, it allows us to, um, it'll allow us to power 100% of our city government uh, uh, electricity needs with clean and renewable sources of energy, but it's also going to dramatically reduce the amount of oil and gas we need to burn in the five boroughs in order to generate our electricity, meaning it's going to clear our air and, and improve uh, improve lives for all those communities that, that live close to the, to the generation uh, the power plants that that are here. Uh, another great example is is um, electrifying our vehicles and transforming our streets. So you know, uh, uh, about a third of of, of the emissions uh, that that New York City generates, so the the fossil fuels that we use, come uh, un, under the hoods of our cars and trucks. So these are um, uh, gas gasoline cars and trucks that are that are burned in internal combustion engines. And, and we're going to need to do a whole lot of that, a whole lot less of that uh, to, to achieve our, our, our climate goals. Uh, and, and that means both uh, shifting to electric vehicles, but, but more importantly, it means transforming our streets. So we, we, we don't need uh, cars to get around so much. So, it, you know, building out our, our, our network of protected bike lanes, dramatically improving the streets. So it, it supports high quality bus service and really investing in, in our, 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 our transit system to, to make sure that the MTA comes back strong is providing frequent and reliable service so people don't need to, to take car trips if, if they don't have to. Um, you know, a, a, another major part of our of our work uh, involves buildings, the built environment. So about two thirds of, of the city's greenhouse gas emissions come from the fossil fuels used to heat and cool and power our buildings. So I'm talking about boilers and, and furnaces. Not It doesn't escape me that my last name is Furnace and I've somehow yes. found myself in this line of work. Um, but uh, 
but but you know we we obviously the the mayor worked with the city council and and passed some of the most ambitious uh, building energy efficiency uh legislation in 2019 in in uh, the the climate mobilization act in close partnership with, with the city council um, and now uh, you know we're we're implementing that law and we're, and we're providing all sorts of assistance for for large building owners to to reduce their emissions otherwise known uh, as local law 97 local law 97 which was the the centerpiece of the climate mobilization mm-hmm. act mm-hmm. um Right. And there was more than that. That's right. there was more than that. But, there, but, there, yes. there was some the great. There was some right, great pieces. Right, right. The the okay. the letter grades that you're seeing pop up on buildings. That was mm-hmm. also part of mm-hmm. that law. Uh, a brand new requirement uh, for for green roofs and solar on new buildings, which is actually doing some really positive things for our for our solar power. That's that's coming. Um, but you know, just this just this uh, week. Uh, we 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 launched a new program targeted towards uh, one to four family homes. So these are uh, folks who might own their own home or in a tenant in a in a duplex or triplex. Uh, we created a new program called Electrify NYC, which provides free services for owners of one to four family homes um, to both uh, electrify their heating system, so shift away from oil and gas that they might use in in their boiler towards a uh, high efficiency electric uh, heating and cooling, uh, and and help them put solar on their roof. So we're we're targeting particular particularly low and moderate income families in, in Queens and Staten Island, but anyone who owns a home across the five boroughs should, should, should reach out to Electrify NYC. And, uh, and, and we're, we stand ready to, to help you, uh, you know, reduce your energy bills, uh, green, uh, reduce your contributions to climate change and, and have a much more comfortable and, and, and reliable uh, energy and, and home heating system. So. So your, your responsibilities as in this office and and helping craft policy for the mayor and therefore for the city. And of course, then it starts to get its tentacles in lots of different Mm. city agencies, right? You're you're part of the mayor's office, which has grown, uh, you know, does a lot, but that's also where a lot of policy is set that then the specific agencies and departments of the city uh, execute and such. So on climate and sustainability, you are trying to ensure that New York City is reducing its negative impacts on the climate. Um, again, that can have some very immediate uh, positive benefits like the air quality in the city, um, but also needs to be part of a national and international movement, right? Sure. Um, what does sustainability mean to you? You know, How do you think about a sustainable city and, and New York City as sustainable? And I also wanna make clear for, for listeners, um, resiliency is connected, but a, a little bit different. And maybe you can talk about that. And, and hopefully sure. you can have um, the, the mayor's director of resiliency, Janie Babishi, on the show as well. Another time I'll reach out, you know, to, to book her. But um, but but how do you think about this, what sustainability means here? A couple examples, maybe of that and, um, you know, how resiliency is sort of adjacent here and connected. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, obviously, Climate is a, is an existential generational crisis facing us all, but but the notions of making sure that we have clean air and clean water and access to green space and 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 biodiversity in 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 the in the five boroughs and and in New York City and New York State, you know that that's not um, that's not a, a a new set of imperatives, and it's it's stuff that folks in our office work a lot on and think a lot about. Um, you know, another imperative that that drives us is is you know is is environmental justice. So it's this concept that we can be using climate action uh, and and sustainability action to improve uh, the lived experience of folks in neighborhoods that may have, might have uh, 
traditionally been left out both of a lot of the planning processes and have environmental outcomes that are not where they need to be. So the air is too dirty. There's too much exposure to, to, to uh, either hazards or, or infrastructure that, that, um, it, it, you know, it, they're not, they don't appreciate uh, having to live nearby. And, and, you know, there's, there's obviously a, a really sour and, 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 and bleak history uh, of the racial dynamics of a lot of these things. So, so this is, you know, the, the desire to, to, to have our our sustainability and climate action uh, both be be you know improving our city for the future, but also connecting inequity or correcting inequities uh, in the here and now, and and our environmental justice work, uh, it, we're we're putting together a. a, a an environmental justice uh, for all uh, plan. It's it's something that the, the office is working on and will continue into the next administration. It was um, a, grew out of a piece of, of of pretty groundbreaking city council legislation, and the mayor talked about it earlier this year in the state of the city. Um, but it's it's work we take we take really seriously, and and you know it is work that we are doing in in close partnership with with uh, agencies all across the city. Like like so much of our work, it's not something that we can we can do alone, but we can uh, bring folks together. From across the government and, and help to achieve uh, uh, good things in, in partnership with 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 many many different agencies all across the city. So there's things like local law 97 and and just a massive overhaul in how building emissions are regulated. Um, there's the uh, Brooklyn Bridge bike lane. <laughs> uh, you know there there's things that are sort of like. Uh, often sort of conceptual to people about the air and carbon emissions. And then there's like the very concrete, I mean, if, obviously if you own or live in a building that has to have a major energy uh, upgrade or, ch- you know, change, change all sorts of systems to reduce your emissions here, that's obviously been controversial with some in the real estate sector. It's not so uh, theoretical to you, but you know, there's, there's different things. There's different pieces of this, of this puzzle, obviously that come from sometimes for people a little bit more theoretical, all the way down to the very concrete, what you see in front of you, everyday use of space, et cetera. Who is, who is being asked to sacrifice the most here? Who, you know, as you are doing this work, the mayor, I think I would say, and disagree if you want, but, you know, I, I, I think the mayor has, has gotten a little more aggressive here on this, on these issues. Um, I think a lot of people have, obviously, you know, yeah. there's been more and more people finding religion, even if, you know, decades, <laughs> decades of, of science have been around, but, but, um, you know, you're getting more aggressive on some of these things. There's pushback from people, from people like, you know, again, to use these two examples from some big, real estate industry players and from, you know, just regular, I don't know, plumbers and electricians who have to drive over the Brooklyn bridge to, to get to their gigs or whatever, but who, who, who do you need? Who does the city need to sacrifice the most here in some of this stuff that you've been implementing? Yeah. I mean, I think the mayor has been, you know, as, as someone who's, who's, who's worked with him for many years, I think the mayor has been very clear eyed and, and aggressive on this, you know, going all the way back to, to 2014 when he, he, you know, marched with Al Gore in the climate march and, and, and spoke about the need to be reducing uh, emissions um, from, you know, New York city's largest source of emissions, which is our buildings and, and the need to be moving aggressively to, to have uh, building owners step up in a voluntary way and then move towards, you know, real requirements to have, have the work done that needs to get done. You know, I think something that is quite exciting, seeing action both at the city level, at the state level and at the federal level, all aligning in this powerful way right now, 
and also seeing industry really transform and accelerate is that more and more the ability to take pretty dramatic action on climate mostly involves doing a fair bit of work to transform some of the systems that we rely on. But I don't know if I would necessarily describe it as a burden. I genuinely see it as an opportunity to, you know, transform the way in which our electricity is generated, transform the way in which we get around, transform the way in which we heat and cool and, and power our buildings. Yes, it will be a lot of work, but the outcomes of that work will be buildings that are more comfortable. It'll be streets that are safer. It'll be electricity that's coming from way much, much cleaner sources. So, you know, I, I would try to distinguish between a burden and just a sort of clear-eyed sense of purpose that like, there's an enormous amount of work to do. Obviously, there's plenty of folks who are looking for jobs and opportunities. There will be jobs and opportunities associated with getting this work done. And we're going to build a healthier and cleaner and more livable city and fight climate change at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think some, something very powerful. Another thing that we, we talked about this week, we've had a program for, for a number of years now called the Carbon Challenge, where uh, institutions, landlords, um, both on the residential and the commercial side, you know, now we have these very ambitious uh, climate targets associated with local on 97. But, you know, there's a set of, of landlords and, and building owners who say that's not enough. We want to commit to even deeper reductions and sort of show the rest of the building industry what is possible. Uh, and we've had, you know, 13, uh, 13 partners step up and to, to, to meet these much more aggressive goals to, to fully decarbonize select buildings in their portfolio portfolio by 2030. So this means essentially eliminating on-site fossil fuel combustion or, 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 or dramatically reducing the use of fossil fuels, oil and gas in their buildings. And we've had some really high profile uh, uh, businesses step up to, to take part in this. So, so Google is a great example, Barclays, uh, a group called Riseboro Community Partnerships that does uh, residential and affordable housing. So, so these are different types of entities from across you know, the, the commercial, residential, for-profit, non-profit, institutional, affordable housing sectors, all showing that this, you know, these really aggressive targets are possible. It's worth the investment. It's worth the work, uh, not just because, you know, we're facing an existential threat, not just because there's this big, scary law that, that threatens fines if you don't do this work, but because they can really both make a business case and a sort of quality of life case for the workers in their buildings, the tenants in their buildings to improve these systems and burn a lot less fossil fuels and, and do a lot better uh, by way of the, of the climate. Some experts I've talked with, um, you know, have have pointed who, who love uh, local law 97 and this this these mandates and this push uh, for the largest buildings and the largest emitters in the city to have to go cleaner mm -hmm. uh, or or pay some fines, which there's you know, there's some. I guess there's some critiques about what I would love to pay zero. I would love for there to be. Well, zero. right. So <laughs> I would love for people to, yeah, let's get the work done. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's interesting, uh, not a great parallel exactly, but you know, it's been interesting to watch the mayor as he says, you know, sort of climb the ladder on these vaccine mandates. Right. And then some places you have the sort of test out and then some, in some cases you don't have the test out and I'm, you know, preparing for this conversation, thinking about the mandates on the buildings and the, and the pay, the fine, you know, pay, pay out. Um, but putting that aside or, or comment on that, if you want about, you know, can, do you foresee maybe the next step is, you know, they, that you would recommend the next administration tries to put something in place where you can't 
you know, pay your way out of doing these uh, upgrades and such. Um, but that aside, does this law, does this effort cover enough buildings? Because even though it covers some of the city's biggest polluters and biggest buildings, when you combine a lot of the other buildings that are not included in this law, you get a lot of pollution, right? Yeah, I think, you know, to, to your first point about about supporting the buildings that are covered by the law. You know, I think we've really uh, tried to make it very clear that, you know, we are here to help people come into compliance. We've launched, some, launched something called the, the NYC Accelerator Program, which provides personalized technical assistance literally to anyone who, who wants to walk in the door. We have a brand new type of financing uh, called uh, Property Assessed Clean Energy Financing. You can get a, you know, uh, no cash down loan uh, and pay it back on your on your property taxes. So it helps folks pay for these uh, pay for these upgrades that will be needed to come into compliance. I think the largest buildings are a, a, a great place to start. And I think local law 97 covers about 50% of, of the, the built environment, about 50% of the, of and an even larger share of, of, of the emissions. Um, but, you know, part of this is there's fossil fuels being burned in many, many more buildings all across the city, which is part of why we launched Electrify NYC to help these individual homeowners sort of make the shifts that they need. Uh, and I think as we see more uh, incentives and support uh, from the state and federal government come in, you're going to see a really transformative dynamic in a lot of the in a lot of the, the, the markets and products that are available for, for some smaller buildings to, to change their systems when they when it comes time to replace their heating systems or their, their cooling systems to switch to much more efficient uh, heating and cooling and, and ideally shift away from fossil fuels altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the reason why it, it's so important to be getting our electricity from clean and renewable sources is because as we switch from burning oil and gas in our basements to, to drawing from the grid in order to, to heat or to heat our homes, um, you know, we're going to need and to, and, to, and to power our electric cars, we're going to need a lot of clean and renewable electricity to, to, to provide that power. Um, perfect. That's a per- perfect yeah. segue. Uh, there's many advocates, experts, legislators who love uh, Local Law 97. Uh, they have some of these questions that I just asked about, you know, what about the smaller buildings and, mm-hmm. you know, how do you get rid of, how do you ensure compliance that, that you don't even, you know, as you said, that you get to zero fines being paid because uh, either that's not an option or, or no resume. But the next frontier seems to be this bill in the city council. I think it's 2317. Mm-hmm. The speaker of the city council just said he favors it, banning gas hookups in new development. It, where is the administration at so, on that? So the mayor has has said, uh, going back, that he thinks it makes sense to have a date certain after which uh, there would be only, you know, after which we wouldn't use fossil fuels uh, in, in our building. So so we're broadly supportive of this. We really look forward to, to working with the city council to, to get this done. I think if you look at the the state and the federal level, and you look at the direction the industry is going, I think everybody agrees that the buildings of the future are ones that don't rely on fossil fuels. I mm-hmm. think that um, you know New York City really is poised to be a leader in, in, in developing and building these new buildings. And, and, and these aren't pie in the sky things. We see buildings right now being built in the five boroughs that don't rely on, on fossil fuel combustion. Um, and, and it's really exciting. You know, I think I think that's definitely the, the direction uh, we should be going. And, and the mayor the mayor supports putting an end date after which we wouldn't we wouldn't have fossil fuel use uh, in in large buildings, particularly for you know for for the the heating and cooling systems. And 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 we're we're looking forward to to working with the speaker and the city council to get this done. You've obviously looked at this. What's a reasonable 
ballpark that, you know, is is somewhere a time frame that you that is realistic on this? I mean, a range so, is there? Yeah. A range so of so years? so just by way of of reference, right? So the International Energy Agency recently put out a set of steps that they feel are necessary to achieve. They call it a narrow but achievable fat path for deep deep emissions reductions. They said that after the year 2025, we shouldn't be building new buildings with with fossil fuels. Uh, for for heating in them. So, you know, I think there's lots of things that might be particular to the to the New York City context. We want to have a broad conversation with stakeholders, but I think, you know, any building any building that we build shouldn't be one that we'll need to retrofit later. We should be building ready to 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 survive a 21st century that's that's powered by clean and renewable electricity and is 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 shifting away from fossil fuels. So, you know, we we think this this direction makes a lot of sense and we really want to work with the the council to get it done. All right, so that's a a, a roundabout way of saying maybe 2025 <laughs> po- pointing to that recommendation. Um all right, so so what's the uh, forgive me for not knowing this, what's the year? What is the or when is the city council proposing to do? What what's what's in the proposal for when to ban? The gas uh, hookups and new construction. They're 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 looking to move very quickly. We very think quickly. we think we'd want to move as 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 fast as we can. Yeah. Um, okay. The um, transportation. So so let's talk. Let's zoom out for one second here. The biggest goals in the work you do are around clean energy emissions, use of space. Um, Buildings and transit being the two biggest buckets, right? Of of uh, those emissions. That's right. So, what are the what are the biggest what are the big goals, right? These, these far outdate this administration, hmm. but what are the biggest goals that you've set? And um, and are there any pillars of getting there that we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah. So, so the, the, the big goal, which is, you know, the goal that we share with every other level of government and the folks who are taking action around the world is we want to be carbon neutral by 2050. So we want it, we want it to be the case that we're not, we're not adding more uh, carbon into the atmosphere uh, by 2050. And that means shifting dramatically away from, from fossil fuels and all the places that we use fossil fuels right now. So, you know, that means shifting away from fossil fuels for our electricity generation. A, a big goal we have that this new transmission will allow is by, by 2020, we want New York City government to be powered with 100% clean and renewable electricity. Uh, another big goal we have is, is around uh, shifting towards electric vehicles on our streets and shifting away from the use of, of private automobiles uh, for, for, for trips uh, it, 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 to the greatest extent we can. So, you know, by the middle of the next century, we want to have dramatically fewer trips taken by, by, by private vehicle and a lot more uh, electric vehicles on the road. And that means building out uh, a high quality network of, of protected bikes. Bike lanes. It means investing in higher quality uh, transit. Uh, transit. We haven't we haven't talked about uh, you know central business district tolling and congestion mm-hmm. pricing. Mm-hmm. But you know the mayor thinks that needs to, to happen on a on a fast time frame to to both provide the resources that our transit system needs and and help sh- shift folks from taking unnecessary vehicle trips um, and. Uh, and 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 on our buildings, you know, the the the, the targets set by by local law ninety seven are, are the types of uh, emission reductions we're looking to see in in our built environment. We think shifting towards electricity uh, for for for. Um, for heat for, for for new construction is is a is a powerful step, and and reducing overall uh, the. 
the emissions from from our building systems and uh, improving the efficiency of our buildings are, are a big part of, of of how we're going to achieve goals on that side too. Let's talk about transit. Yeah. Um, the electrification of the city fleet. Mm-hmm. Um, the city fleet seems to. Ha- I mean, the mayor's answered this question a number of times when the fleet was growing. Um, what's the vision on the on the city fleet exactly and um should it be should there be a real vision for for really shrinking it significantly yeah so i i i like to think of our our fleet goals as as smaller cleaner safer so i think you know we should be finding all the ways in which we can reduce the use of 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 vehicles for to provide high quality uh, services to, to New Yorkers. Obviously, you know, the mayor is someone who believes that we need a, a vigorous government providing lots of services. And so sometimes that comes with 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 vehicles. But but, you know, we we set some aggressive, aggressive fleet reduction goals. We hit them in this past MMR uh, over a thousand vehicles, part of that reduction. Uh, and we're also moving May- aggressively. Mayor's, to, mayor's management report. Mayor's management report. Pardon me. Yes, yes. And we've set some really aggressive electrification uh, fleet electrification goals, and 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 we, you know, we talked this this week about a, a seventy-five million dollar investment uh, that we're making in in in. Uh, replacing fossil fuel vehicles and trucks with electric vehicles and, and new charging. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the biggest uh, investment that the city has, has yet made in, in, in electric vehicles. And it's going to be, uh, you know, everything from, from sedans to, to ambulances that, that don't uh, you burn fossil fuels while they're, idling, but they can still provide uh, the services they need in the inside. Uh, we're also going to be retrofitting diesel powered trucks to be electric powered, which is a really interesting uh, uh, new step. Um, and, you know, j- just in general, you know, our goal is to have a, a fully electrified fleet. Um, and, you know, that's that's going to be a combination of us purchasing models for for all the models that exist for the fleet types that exist, and it also means working closely with industry to have a lot of innovation in 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 vehicle types for which there's not currently an electric model. So you know, even even in my time of government, we've we've come to a place when everybody said an electric sanitation truck would be impossible. To now, there are some electric sanitation truck models that that DS that the Department of Sanitation is is taking a look at and and considering, uh, but but the the industry is moving very fast. You see a lot of um, obviously action at the federal level to, to support the electrification of, of cars and trucks. And, and all of our fleet goals really benefit from that type of coordination between the federal government, the car companies who are promising electric models uh, and, and the state's goal. I mean, Governor Hochul uh, just signed a bill that all new uh, vehicle sales starting in the year 2035 were going to be uh, electric vehicles. That type of signaling to the market that the future of cars is electric and that's the way we're all going is just really it's powerful and it helps us meet our goals too. And, you know, we have the biggest municipal fleet in the country. So the goals that we set also shape the types of cars that folks build. And, and that's, that's a nice, uh, a nice mm-hmm. position for us to be in. Uh, you're listening to Max Politics here. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette I'm with Ben Furness uh, of the mayor's office of climate and sustainability. Um, so let's keep talking about transit. Uh, the, MTA just started having having these listening sessions about congestion pricing, as you mentioned, you know, as a, as a goal of the mayor. Uh, that one is one I think I feel comfortable saying he he found religion uh, <laughs> uh, more recently. Uh, going back to our our conversation from earlier, but um, but 
you know, I'm watching some of this unfold in the first hearings they held, and there's these estimates around congestion pricing, uh, you know, in the in the central business district in Manhattan below 61st Street, um, reducing, you know, car travel 10% or more. I'm very skeptical of that. I don't know how you, you know, how optimistic you are. My sense is, you know, I think, I think a lot of people will just pay the fee and that's been part of the, you know, origins of congestion pricing actually moving ahead anyway, where was this sort of grand vision for it to produce a really large amount of revenue that the MTA could then use for its capital plan. Um, how optimistic are you about that possibility? Have you studied sort of the, the numbers there? And what about the city writ large? Um, one of the biggest questions seems to be, you know, what could, what goals could we set around reducing car travel in the city if there are good options for people to pursue yeah. instead? So, so we actually have, have set some, some goals. So, so right now our, our, our main goal is to have about 80% of all trips in the city uh, be taken by sustainable modes by 2050. So that's the sum of walking to a place, biking to a place, hopping on a bus to go to a place, hopping on a train to go to a place. Uh, right now it's, it's just south of 70%. Uh, it sounds like not very much, but when you actually do the math of what that would mean, it would mean about a tenfold increase in, in the amount of bike trips that are that are taken and uh, pretty dramatic expansions of of people using uh, trains and buses. And I think, you know, the big promise of of uh, congestion pricing, it's not just, you know, at the margin, maybe I'll decide to take the train in and say to instead of taking the, the taking my, my private vehicle, although that's a big part of it, it's really being able to provide resources to a transit system that could provide much more frequent and reliable service. So, so people feel like they can hop on a bus and get on a train to, to do more of their trips. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with, with where and how we, we grow as a city, right? So right now there's obviously lots of conversations about, you know, rezonings and housing growth and all these things. And the mayor's, you know, been working really closely and, and, and pushing hard to, to have um, transit-oriented uh, housing built, you know, both uh, in in Soho and Noho and and in Gowanus, and you know, this is the type of growth that allows people to live without without uh, a personal vehicle or have their lives much more oriented around our, our transit system, and that's the type of growth that we think makes makes a ton of sense uh, going forward as a city. I mean, some, something that's very exciting about working in climate in New York City is, you know, we have some of the lowest per capita carbon emissions of any of any of any of any people in, in the United States. And a lot of that comes from the just the fact that for a lot of the way we get around, we just get around on the subway. You know, it's, it's my favorite electric vehicle, the New York City mm -hmm. subway system. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, so a lot of what climate action means in the city of New York is letting New York be more like New York. So having more people be able to live uh, lives where they're not needing to, to hop in a car. Um, but, you know, the truth is people, there's, you know, people live many different kinds of lives in New York and we want to make it as easy as possible for everybody, whatever their situation is, to shift away from having to rely on fossil fuels. So for some, that's being able to hop on a bike or, or hop on a bus or a car. For others, it means being able to, to shift to an electric car instead of a, a fossil fuel car if they have a driveway, if they use, use a car for lots of trips. But you know, there's lots of different ways to, to, to reduce our contributions to, to climate change. And we're, we're in the business of having everybody be able to lead a good life while also, uh, while also uh, uh, doing better by the planet and for their neighbors. You know, I'm, uh, I'm all for, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't bike that much. I bike a little. Yeah. I'm, Have you been on the Brooklyn bridge yet? 
Not yet, but you I'm, gotta I'm go. It's really it. I good. I, I was a Listen, little bit nervous. This you may be breaking news. I was a little bit nervous <laughs> that it was going to be down with the cars and it was going to be noisy or it would feel cramped. But it, I, 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 I got to say, it is not cramped. It is lovely. You can yeah. see the view. The breeze is in your hair. I recommend everyone listening <laughs> hop hop on a bike and and check out the Brooklyn Bridge bike path. And the and the promenade is just so much nicer now. You you mm-hmm. you walk and well, stroll and it's that's lovely. Where I, was going. I, I don't have a guy going like. Bike lane, bike lane. That used to be me. Not anymore. <laughs> so I, we maybe we've had an encounter on there. I, <laughs> I used to uh, when when I was going into a Manhattan office much more. Used to run over the Brooklyn Bridge sometimes, and that was very challenging because I was faster than the you know faster than all the walkers and slower than the bikers, and wasn't always sure where to go. And so uh, I'm looking forward to experiencing uh, that and also checking out the bike path. Um, and and so. You know, what I was going to say is generally, you know, I'm able-bodied, you know, I'm relatively young. You know, I can can do these things. I don't feel that safe biking in the city. Uh, I wish I felt safer. Um, But I do it sometimes. I think it's great. I think it's obviously great environmentally to to encourage it, to make it safe, et cetera. Lots of people aren't going to bike around, right? Huge numbers of people aren't going to bike around for various reasons. (laughs) It seems to me that buses are very often the sort of last part of this conversation. Um, and I, I have, you know, we, through the pandemic here and seeing the, the resurgence of the use of cars, but not the resurgence of subway use. Um, you know, I, 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 I can't help but think as we end the de Blasio years here in the next few months, that even though there was, you know, a bunch of steps in progress made on buses, that buses were still often left aside from the really good, you know, city bike expansion, some other bike things. Again, some people think not fast enough. Uh, the ferry thing, we're not going to debate that, but there, there, there's a ferry program up and running that clearly a lot of people are using and enjoying. Let's just, you know, use that one in a positive light, right? Uh, but what about buses? I mean, what's the what's the future? What's the vision? You don't need to defend the administration's record on that. Yeah. You can if you want. But but should buses not be a huge part of a more sustainable, livable city? I, I absolutely think you know high quality bus service and, and and improvements and transforming our streets so so buses move faster and more reliably is central to to shifting. You know, not just to. Sh- I mean, we talk sometimes we can slip into this notion like we're shifting a lot of folks from buses from cars to buses when there's not two and a half million rides on new york city buses each and every day right people people all over the city uh, rely on on the buses as as their you know their main source of transportation where they get to to get to to a subway and improving improving bus service is really uh central to to to, to all of our all of our climate goals and all of our our you know it's such a great example of by taking action on climate, you're you're improving people's daily life, right? If your bus comes more frequently, more reliably, you can get home, you can hang out with your kids. <laughs> uh, so so yes, I I think you know obviously the 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 types of transformations that that DOT has been able to to do in the past few years, in particular, uh, you know, from the 14th Street busway to busways that are that are you know being introduced all over the city. Uh, I was up on 181st Street earlier this year. There's some great stuff happening in Jamaica and Archer Avenue. Um, there really is a, a template and a framework, and and you know, I think the mayor has done an enormous amount on buses. I think there's a huge opportunity to do a whole lot more, uh, particularly with with a DOT and an MTA that are really aligned to 
to improve the quality of, of bus service. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right that it's a huge place where where there's there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of opportunity uh, and and I think it's 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 there to be seized. What does it look like? I mean, you you know you have this you have this. Um great perch you're a, you know you're you're helping craft policy you've been you know helping really think through the the right solutions i'm sure it's it's wonderful at times and frustrating at times and all that stuff um but you have you're you know you're a policymaker you're you're someone who helps set the vision so for a vision moving forward for the ideal new york city you know sort of <laughs> transit situation i mean what what is the What's the best sort of sweeping policy ways to reduce car usage, make buses attractive and efficient, uh, increase, you know, people's ability to ride bikes safely and use those to commute for those who can, um, what, how did, like, what's the, what's the sort of, um, wish list, you know, vision of that. Is there a yeah, I, I, I think, I think these, these are, these are pieces we've, we've articulated and there's, um, I think we need to have a high quality protected bike lane network that people who don't consider themselves cyclists feel totally comfortable and fine hopping on a bike and getting a lot of different places all over the city. I think we need streets that are, that are organized uh, in a way that, that buses can move uh, quickly and reliably. And that means using busways or bus lanes or, um, and it means closely coordinating with the MTA to, to get service in a much better place. So, so people can, can rely on their, uh, rely on buses. I, I think it means shifting towards all door boarding. So, so, you know, right now buses spend a lot of time just waiting for folks to get on and off. I think mm-hmm. if you can get get on every door, that makes a huge difference. But but fundamentally, a lot of this is just about frequent, reliable service that folks can rely on that comes when it, you're expected. You can you don't have to wait too long, and you can get where you need to go. And and you know I think the best transit system is one that people don't think about it very much, right? It's just you know they're focused on where they're going. They know they can get there reliably. They're not worried about the bus not showing up. They're not worried about the bus getting stuck in traffic because it, because it comes and it gets you where you're going and you can focus on, you know, what you're going to eat for dinner that mm-hmm. night instead of when the bus is going to show up. Um, and I think, you know, that, that type of, of, of transformation is really possible. I think it's, 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 there's been a lot of really uh, impressive strides in this administration. There's a, there's a lot more uh, work to be done. Um, I think something that, you know, we haven't talked a ton about this, but, uh, you know, something that has been quite striking in the past couple of years, obviously, since the beginning of the pandemic and starting last year, uh, has been the, the transformation of, 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 of streets into open streets, the transformation of, 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 uh, uh, parking spaces into, into, um, outdoor, outdoor dining, you know, it, it, it just has, you know, reiterated the, the, the real possibilities for, for our streets in a way that I think, you know, a lot of people had, had seen this possibility before. I think it's opened up a ton of more people's eyes of just how much space there is in the city for us to do, uh, amazing things by, 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 by repurposing some of that, some of that, uh, space for, for, for more livable and, and, and uh, positive, positive uses than just mm-hmm. than just parking. But there's um, there's there's just a lot of opportunity out there, and, and it, it's it's exciting to be able to be here and 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 help coax it along, and and it's exciting to 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 see what the future brings. And uh, last couple of questions for you. The the um, the one of the things that strikes me here is we've seen the reaction to what Ida did to the city 
Um, again, resiliency is, is a little bit of a different conversation that we're talking about, although very much obviously connected. Um, when we're talking about sustainability, when we're, when we're talking about impact on climate, a livable city, that there's an interconnection of so many of these things we're talking about, housing, transit, livability, and so on, that it just doesn't, I don't know that the conversation in New York City has really gotten to how interconnected everything needs to be and should be. And you talked about more housing near transit hubs that hasn't, you know, that it, the politics of so much of planning seems to overwhelm the sort of very clear answers that we know. How do we get past that? I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that folks sort of see a future where, you know, we so dramatically need to be moving rapidly away from fossil fuels. We need to be embracing what's great about New York City by by continuing to let people move to places that are easy to to get around using 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 only the subway. I, I I'm you know I have a lot of uh, friends and acquaintances who, who ran races and are now coming into the city council. I think there's you know there's a lot of generational. Uh, changes going on all, all across the city, and and I think there's there's a lot of dynamics that are are really positive in that. I think you know um, it's exciting to see a, a next generation of leaders sort of come up and and think about these things in a, in a broader, more holistic way. And I think part of that is is I think younger people see the realities of of climate change, right? I mean, it, you know, I had a daughter last year, and it, it's it's very cheesy to talk about children in the context of climate change, and I'm worried about doing it too much. But it's it's quite striking that you know the year. 2050 is not so far away. She will be 30 years old. She, it's not very old at all. And and the realities of the types of changes we're we're going to need to see uh, in the time frame that that we need to see them um, means that it is really this generation of professionals that need to do this. So in, in the in the course of a single working uh, working life, you know, the next couple of decades, people who are early in their careers and by the time they retire, you know. We will need to see a, a, a really transformed energy system, a really transformed transportation system, a really transformed building system, um, and that's you know what we're waking up and working on every day. But um, but I, I'm confident that you know there's a there's a generation of leadership on its way that that totally recognizes these things. And I think, uh, as you said, you know. This is a this is a big tent. It's a big bandwagon. I welcome anyone to to join us in in this in this uh, this fight. That the best time to stop climate change was uh, you know thirty years ago, and the second best mm -hmm. time is right now. So mm -hmm. uh, let's 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 rock and roll. <laughs> All right. All right, we're gonna leave it there. We right. could uh, we could keep we could keep talking, I'm sure, for much longer. But I appreciate all the time you you took on this stuff. Uh, ben Furness uh, of the uh, Mayor's Office of Climate and Sustainability. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks so much, Ben. This has been great.